There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Today on the podcast, I want to go back to a chapter which we missed last week, and it was rather intentional. I didn't have a lot of time, so I did Psalm 70, some of the thoughts that God had given me there. And I wasn't quite ready to do Psalm 69. Now, as I do Psalm 69, I'd like to let you know that I still don't feel ready to do Psalm 69. There's just so much depth in Psalm 69. It's one of those great psalms of Jesus Christ. And as we look at Psalm 69, we're going to look at it through the eyes of Tim McVeigh. And that doesn't mean that's a good thing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. I'm just going to look at it through my eyes and just my thoughts and the way I look at things, if a man disagrees with me, I wouldn't contend with him unless I thought it was heretical or or he's absolutely just way off course. Uh, but there's some things I believe that God has shown me in this. And I want to trust my uh, Savior to show me those things. I'm just going to preach what God has given me from Psalm 69. Psalm 69 is to the chief musician upon Shoshenim. It's a psalm of David. And now we see the psalmist that go into the role immediately of prophet. This is David the prophet speaking in verse 1 when he says, Save me, O God, for the waters are come in under my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. And so now we see the psalmist has covered a couple of things concerning the deep waters. Uh, He talks about the floods. They've overflown him. Talks about the mire, and of course, I think most of us would know what mire is. It's pretty self-explanatory. And but I want to look at those waters with the Lord's help, just for a little bit. I want to go to the book of Job to begin to look at them, because Job speaks about those waters, those deep waters, those terrifying waters, those waters that overflow. In Job chapter twenty-seven, the first thing I want to read is verse twenty. He said, "Terrors take hold on him as waters; a tempest stealeth him away in the night." So he says, terrors take hold on him as waters. There's nothing more terrifying than being tossed about in the deep. As Jonah was thrown overboard into the water, the water overthrew Jonah. Yet that great fish spared his life by swallowing him up. It's a terror to be in the waters. It's a terror to drown. I personally have only seen one drowning victim, and they were no longer struggling by the time I had come upon the scene. And they were trying to resuscitate that drowning victim. But even the terror for their families, the terror for those that saw it, the the lifeguards that were just sickened by what they had witnessed and what they had to endure. But yet that poor drowning victim, the awfulness of the terror of the waters coming upon you. And that's what Job is speaking of there. In chapter 30 and verse 14, Job again speaking, says, They came upon me as a wide breaking in of waters. In the desolation, they rolled themselves upon me. So again, he compares uh, that terror to the waters, the waves overrunning, rolling themselves upon him. But then he gives a little bit of a doctrine in Job 26, verse 5, when he said this, dead things are formed from under the waters, 
and the inhabitants thereof. And so, verse 6, he says, Hell is naked before him, and destruction hath no covering. He stretcheth out the north over the empty place, and hangeth the earth upon nothing. He bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne, and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. So we see he also divided the sea with his power. And so he says much about water, much about the sea, much about the depth, much about why? Because God is in control of the waters. Job 38, uh, the Bible talks about the ascending of the water course. God establishes that water course for the overflowing of waters. Job 28 and verse 4, the flood breaketh out from the inhabitant. Even the waters forgotten of the foot, they are dried up, they are gone away from men. So again, he speaks much of the flood, much of the waters. In verse 25, to make the weight for the winds, and he weigheth the waters by measure. That's speaking about the Lord. So he gives us some understanding about those waters. Then in Genesis 1, he has explained it to us already, the things that Job is reiterating, the things that Job is paralleling in Scripture. In verse 2 of Genesis 1, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then in verse 6, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Now he tells us this. And so here we see the waters, the waters of judgment, the waters of God, the waters that God has compassed, the waters that God put his bands upon. This is when he did that. And he did it like this. God made the firmament, divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which are above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Now, God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. So God divided these things. God divided the, the, the water, and he does water under us, there's water above us. Now, he tells us that dividing was called heaven, and that's what God called it, the heaven. And so we see that in the word of God. And it's important to understand that and just believe what God said. Because then we go to the Psalms, we see that water pop up from time to time. And it's important for us to understand that. Because in Psalm 18, verse 11, he made darkness his secret place, his pavilion round about him. And by the way, this is talking about God. He said the pavilion round to him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Now, this, is, of course, is a Messianic Psalm in Psalm 18. It's dealing with the wrath of God poured out upon Jesus Christ, the judgment being poured out upon Jesus Christ. But then when his cry came into God's holy temple, the Lord was wroth. He shook the foundations. He took the whole earth and shook it because his son was being judged. And then that's when he bowed the heavens and came down and darkness was under his feet. He rode upon a chair and did fly, yea, upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Now, he told us he bound up that water on earth in those thick clouds. That dark water he speaks of is not upon this earth. Yet God has come down to visit his son. God has come down to see his son. 
In verse 15, that the channels of water were seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. Ezekiel 22 tells us about that. When God sends that wind to rend these things, to wa wash away that untempered mortar, that the foundations thereof be discovered. Now, he's not talking about the earth there. Here he's talking about the earth. But what is he speaking of? The things that are of God. The things that are permanent, the things that will not change, the thing that God has established that will never change. Salvation is one of those things. And God can wash away all the buildings that you've built and all the walls that you've put up and all the wood, the hay, the stubble, the stone. God can wash all of that away. But the most important thing is when that house has come tumbling down, you find out it was built upon the rock, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he's speaking of in the context of which we just spake there. In Psalm 23, and he said, He leadeth him beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. And that is a reference directly in contrast to Psalm 69, verse 1 and 2. Because when the Lord does intervene, he leads him beside the still water. He restoreth his soul. His soul's been cast down. His soul's come into the deep. His soul is in dark waters. And yet, when he leadeth him in the paths of righteousness for his namesake, it's because he's led him by the still waters. He restoreth his soul. In Psalm 29, in verse 3, the word of God says this, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. And then he says this, The Lord is upon many waters. Psalm 32, in verse 6, the word of God tells us this, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. So he tells us now that at this time he may be found. Well, God may be found when the flood of great waters comes upon it. And I realize people say, well, that's the earth being destroyed by water. God said never destroy the earth by water. Nobody's talking about the judgment. Have you not seen the hailstones in Job reserved in the day of judgment? Have you not seen the treasures of the snow? Have you not seen the water course that God has laid? That's what he's speaking of here. And these are those deep waters. These are those waters of his wrath, these waters of his judgment. And again, just believing what God said. Psalm 46 and verse 3 concerning the waters. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. The next verse then, of course, Messianic Psalm. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. And so what are we dealing with here? He talks about in verse 2. It's what we just spake of previously. Therefore will not we fear that the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. That has to be the judgment of God. Psalm 77. And there's a couple of places in Psalm 77. One is verse 16. The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. Verse 19, thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou lettest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now, I'm going to go back to Psalm 33 and I run kind of a parallel passage with Psalm 33, and I realize the context of what he's saying here, but just to show you God's the God of the waters. God controls the waters. In verse 6, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. 
He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Now, immediately somebody says, well, that's Noah's flood. Well, I don't believe that's Noah's flood because he talks about God gathering the deep. God gathers the waters of the deep. In verse 13 of Psalm 78, he divided the sea and caused them to pass through and made the waters to stand as in heap. So he tells us there that that was Moses' flood. He tells us there that's when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Prior to that, he's speaking of God gathering the waters of the deep. Now, I know we're in some deep waters, so to speak, theologically. We're just believing what God said. It's important to understand this psalm that we're looking at, and we have to understand this to understand the psalm. Psalm 93 and verse 4, The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. He said in verse 3, The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Why does he say that there? Because we're looking at a Messianic psalm in Psalm 69, where Jesus Christ said, Save me, O God, for the waters are coming into my soul. I am coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. And the, the word of God told us that the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier. He's mightier. There's no flood that can overthrow us, but that God cannot control, that God cannot contain. He delivers his son in the day of his calamity. He delivers the son in the day of the flood. He delivers his son in the day when he's in the deep. In Psalm 104 and verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who covereth thyself with light as with a garment, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh on the wings of the wind, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers of flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. And then this is what he said, and this is Genesis 1, I believe here. And again, if you want to disagree, that's fine. But he said, at thy rebuke, they fled. At the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. What's that? The waters. They stood above the mountains. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys of the place which thou hast founded for them. That's the water course. And we see that course is laid in, in Job 38. Thou hast said he bound that they may not pass over that they turn not again to cover the earth. He sent it to springs into the valleys, which run among the hills. Why does God do that? They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. That's the promise of God concerning these waters. And so when floods come, they make man afraid, but they don't make God fear. When floods come, God is in control of those floods. And what does he do? He recedes those floods. He draws back those floods. He sets the water course. And so we see the terror of the floods here is not just an allegory. It's the reality that in the depths, Jesus Christ, 
his soul being offered for sin. Psalm 18, out of the depths of hell, he cried. That's Jonah chapter 2, by the way. And he cried, and it was there that he's overflowed. It's there that he's in the depths. It's there that he is made an offering for sin. And Psalm 104 says what we just read, that entire passage about the waters on the earth, how God administers those waters on the earth. And then Psalm 124.4 says, when the waters had overwhelmed us, the stream had gone over our soul, then the proud waters had gone over our soul. And then he said, blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Why? Because God takes that soul and delivers that soul when it's overthrown in the flood. For he said in verse 7, our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. That's the work of God. And by the way, you and I were overthrown in the depths. You and I were overthrown with dark waters. You and I were overthrown with the waves and the torments and the torrents of this life. In Psalm 144, verse 7 says, send thine hand from above, rid me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children. Psalm 147 and verse 8, who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. Why does he do that? Because he's a merciful God. God controls the water. God removes the water. God sets a course for the water. He's divided the waters and put the firmament of the heavens. And God has put that around this earth to protect this earth. And you and I now can walk on this earth and walk in the waters without fear. And we can swim in the waters without fear. And we can drink waters and the fruit of the field because the waters of God, that's the mercy of God. That's God showing us that he will sustain us. He will take care of us because of how he works and how he has worked. Psalm 148, 4. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. So again, doctrine, doctrine. Ye waters which be above the heavens is what he's speaking of here. Let's go back to our text. I've exhausted my time just going through the waters, but trying to explain and trying to help us to understand those waters. He says, save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. What does he need? He needs God to remove him from the floods of ungodly men, from the floods of judgment, from the floods of hell. And God's going to deliver his son just like he delivered you and I. That's the mercy of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ. I'll expound more on this psalm tomorrow. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website Or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. 
Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption call at night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.